When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Travel Squad Podcast. We're four friends that grew up together in the same small town. We followed each other to San Diego, and now we adventure the world together. One passport stamp at a time. We're here to share our travel stories and inspire you to go on your own adventures. Even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. Kim. And I'm Dana. And And we're we're the the Travel Squad Squad Podcast. So grab your tickets, your passport, and don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Hello, fellow travelers. Hello. Welcome to episode 57 of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we're driving just a little bit up north from Grand Teton and finishing our adventures from last week and taking you to Yellowstone National Park. I loved Yellowstone. Yellowstone, if you guys don't know, is primarily located in northwest Wyoming, but the boundaries of the park also expand into both Montana and Idaho. And Yellowstone has such a unique geological landscape. It has beautiful thermal pools, magnificent geysers, abundant wildlife, and it just has so much more to offer. And it's one of the most iconic national parks in the U.S., And for very good reason. It was actually the first national park we ever had. And fun fact, it has 50% of the world's geysers. It sits on top of the largest volcanic field. And that's only the tip of what makes it so interesting. Largest volcanic field in North America, if I believe. Oh, yes, yes. Mr. Historian. Yes. And and, uh, geographer. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm still sitting this trip out. I wasn't with them since this is the, I know, I know. This is the continuation from Grand Tetons. This is a twofer, if you will. So I'm looking forward to hearing all about this trip. So we're going to start out with some tips. So like we previously said in the last episode, definitely get some offline maps. In Yellowstone, even more than Grand Tetons, I had almost zero service in the park. The entire time we were in the park, no cell service at all. So definitely have your offline maps downloaded and ready to go so that you can get from point A to point B. I would recommend that. Also, continuing with the theme of last week, we're still in grizzly territory, still in black bear territory. You do need some bear spray, so definitely do hold on to that. Have a very interesting story regarding bears and being prevalent close to the trails, so I'm going to share that with you later. Point being, bear spray. Fun fact, if you remember from the last episode, on our way to Yellowstone is where we saw two grizzly bears, so yes, there's definitely bears in the area. Absolutely. My last tip is Yellowstone is so big. Like I said, it expands into three states. And so you should definitely take a look at the map, see what areas you want to hit and have a plan on what you want to do each day because it can take several hours to drive from one area to the next and just be prepared for that and map out your days. Yeah. So that's a very, very good tip. Again, so, so large. So have that game plan. But Continuing on from last week, if you remember, we were leaving Grand Tetons on a Monday 
And the first thing we did when we entered Yellowstone National Park was continue to an area called West Thumb Geyser Basin. And Brittany, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Because you did all the research. So why did you pick this area in particular? Well, I picked this area because it's one of the first areas that you get to really see something unique that the park has to offer. And in this area specifically, there's a whole bunch of hydrothermal pools and little geysers. So there's a short paved trail in the West Thumb area, and we're able to see the pool called the Abyss Pool, which is the deepest hydrothermal pool within the park, which was really cool to see. And right in that area too, big, large parking lot. And again, it was so nice going on this trip at the time we did because it was right after quarantine restrictions had been lifted a couple weeks in after they opened Yellowstone National Park. So still not a lot of people, but right away, even in the parking lots, we're seeing wildlife. Like right when we got there, before we did the trail to see all those thermal pools, I mean, we're seeing deer, we're seeing elk, just so much in the area, which is really, really nice. But I did enjoy seeing those thermal pools. I wouldn't call these areas hikes, whereas in Grand Teton, we actually had legitimate hikes. I feel like here in Yellowstone, most of the trails are to see the geological formations and sites. So a lot of them are wood planked trails and not really actual hikes. So this one here was a little trail of boardwalk planks to see the thermal pools. And it's really cool to see all the varying colors from the blues, the reds, and they get all those different colors from the bacteria that grows in them. It's just really, really unique to see. And that's key to know is that you need to stay on the wooden plank pathways. Don't step on the earth. It's not safe and it damages the area. So stay off of it. When we were there, we actually saw some people breaking the rules and going out there. And it's just, it's bad. It ruins it for the next people, destroys things, stay on the path, stay safe. Well, not only did we see those people at the Grand Prismatic, which we'll get to, that went off the trail. I was so upset because I hate when I see people litter in a national park or trash it and they violated that. But beyond that, I mean, these are on thermal pools and in volcanic hot spring areas, if you will. So the ground itself isn't really that stable. So the signs that they have saying to stay on it, there's been cases where people have gone off and they They've actually slipped in the water, which is really hot. I mean, these are thermal pools and waters, and these people burn alive when they fall in. So it's not a joke. Really stay on the path. So we just went to West Thumb very quickly and just saw our first views of the hydrothermal pools. And then we headed over to the Old Faithful Geyser area. Old Faithful. Love it. Who doesn't know Old Faithful, right? Everyone does. Zana, do you know Old Faithful? I know Old Faithful. (laughs) Why is it Old Faithful? Um, Because it faithfully geyses. Geysers? (laughs) Well, yes, it is a geyser and it's called Old Faithful. You are correct because to a certain degree, they can predict the eruptions and at the time that it will erupt. Usually in the past, when it was a national park, it used to be more consistent with its time. But again, Yellowstone is on top of a super volcano. There's a lot of volcanic activity, which creates earthquakes. So because of those earthquakes, the chamber in which the water pressure in the geyser builds up has been altered a little bit. So it used to be like every hour, hour and 15 minutes, but now they have a plus or minus 15, 20 minutes each way. But to a certain degree, they can still predict the time in which it will erupt. And it's the most consistent on that. So that's why it's most famous. It's not the tallest. It's not the largest. But because of its consistency, that's why it's famous. It was super impressive to see. Yeah. So when you get out there, they have the big 
boardwalk plank areas again and lots of benches for people. And this was the most crowded area I felt that we experienced, whether it be at Yellowstone or Grand Teton, was to see Old Faithful. Because again, there's only certain times and they predict it. So everyone congregates there at the same time to actually witness it. So question for you guys, because you were here right when the world opened back up after all of the COVID shutdown. So how was it in terms of crowding, social distancing, people wearing masks? I will say at Old Faithful, because there was so many people there all at once, I would say 60 to 75% of the people sitting there watching it actually had their face masks on at that point. Including us. Including us. You were able to keep enough distance because they have a big promenade boardwalk around the whole area. So you can spread out. I would wager to say during normal times, pre-COVID, it gets a lot more crowded there, probably less space. But people for that most part were actually keeping good distance and had their masks. And so now Old Faithful erupts approximately like every 94 minutes or so, plus or minus 10 minutes. And it was right within that that window when we were able to see it. So it was really cool to see. And you can actually start to see Old Faithful trying to bubble up at first. And you're like, oh, is it going to go off? Is it going to go off? And everyone gets really excited. And then it kind of simmers back down and then it starts to kind of erupt again. Then all of a sudden, it just erupts completely. Explosion happens. Like a geyser. Because <laughs> it is a geyser. And while you're sitting there waiting for it to go off, you see other geysers in the distance going off too. Because there's such a high concentration of geysers in that area, but they all have their own different chambers where the water will bubble and boil up before it you know, finally explodes. So as we're sitting there waiting, we can see all these other geysers going off in the distance. And some of them are a lot larger, have cooler formations that build up to the geyser. But again, Old Faithful is the most famous because of its consistency. Some of those other geysers, they go off every you know, 24 to 72 hours. They can't really predict it like they can Old Faithful. There was one geyser that we saw that hadn't gone off since March of 2019. So a really, really long time. But it was a big one. Yeah. So two questions for you guys. One, when Old Faithful does explode, how high, obviously you can't measure it, but I mean, like, how high is it going in terms of, are you afraid of any of the mist or splashback? Are you too far back? And how's the smell? It smells like eggs. I will say that. Some sulfur. Sulfur. (laughs) But in terms of height, I'm probably not the best predictor of height. I, it's tough to gauge that. I would say anywhere between 75 to 125 feet, maybe a little bit higher. But at the same time, it doesn't erupt height-wise with as much consistency as it does its timing. So again, Old Faithful isn't the largest, so it just really depends on how much pressure truly is built up. So it definitely varies. But one other geyser, and we'll talk about the trail that we did leading from Old Faithful, because again, there's a whole plethora of them in that area. One of them, I believe, erupts at least up to 200 feet in height. But you guys aren't worried about mist spray back or anything like that? No, because by the time it gets up in the air and it gets in mist form, it's really cooled down a little bit. So it's not really going to hit you like that, that you're worried about the water coming back at you. And the boardwalk isn't right up on it. So you do have some space from where the geyser erupts to kind of where you are in the viewing area. But right after Old Faithful erupted, we decided to go on a little flat hike and the area was called Upper Geyser Basin Loop. 
And specifically, I wanted to go see a pool called Morning Glory Pool. But along the way, there's a whole bunch of other geysers. This area specifically contains 25% of the world's geysers, which is super cool. And I think Yellowstone has in total about 50% of the world's geysers. Yellowstone has 50%, 25% of them on this trail. That's like a four and a half mile loop. So just to give you an idea of how many there are, there's a lot in that area. A lot to look at. Definitely. Also different too. There's some that are purple some that are orange, some that are blue, some that have multicolors. They're really pretty. Different sizes, different smells. And not only that, within the geyser area, you can definitely see wildlife. I mean, we saw several bison that are sitting there grazing in the area. You can see the bison hoof prints that are in the geyser basin areas. So they're walking on that thermal, hot, warm water, and you can see their tracks. You can see their droppings. So wildlife all around. So even though that the thermal pools and geysers are there, it doesn't stop the wildlife from getting close. It's also fun to see the names of some of the thermal pools and the geysers because like one was named Castle Geyser and the structure does look like it's starting the build of a castle. There was one called, I want to say it was called like an ear thermal pool and it was Mm -hmm. in the shape of an ear so it's fun to see all of the different names that they've named these thermal pools or the geysers but what was the payoff at the end of this trail? You said you wanted to see Morning Glory. So is that the payoff for you, Brittany? Yes. Morning Glory Pool was my favorite thermal pool that we were able to see really up close. And it just had so many different beautiful colors. There was so blues, pretty. oranges, reds, yellows, purples. It just, it looked like a rainbow and you were able to get to like a paved trail right in front of it. And you can photograph the entire thermal pool in one shot versus like some of the other thermal pools are so large that it's hard to get into an entire picture. And the colors are just so vibrant behind you. And again, like we had said, this is our first trip post COVID and there was not a lot of people on the trail. So we got areas to ourselves, and it was just really nice to have that to ourselves and enjoy nature. Yeah, Morning Glory was like a kaleidoscope of colors. I mean, you have that deep, bright blue at the center of the pool. And then as it radiates outwards, you're getting your reds, your oranges, your yellows, and all those different colors from the varying temperatures of the water to the bacteria that's in it. And it's just so pretty. And we're going to talk about this area a little bit later, but there's a very famous thermal pool slash hot spring in Yellowstone called Grand Prismatic. And basically Morning Glory was a miniature version of the Grand Prismatic, but you can see this really up close. I mean, you're standing on top of it on the planked boardwalk area, and it's just so unique. So that's at the very end of that trail. And when you're done, you have to work your way all the way back on a paved trail to the Old Faithful area. And by the way, just in that Old Faithful area, they do have shops, restaurants, etc., because it is a high trafficked area. So there is a lot of amenities in that spot. And so although the trail was four and a half miles, it was pretty much flat the entire way we saw people with strollers and people of all ages being able to complete this trail so it was really nice morning glory pool was probably one of my top favorite things about yellowstone so we got the sneak peek of morning glory pool before we headed over to go see the grand prismatic spring which we were all super excited about 
Yeah, and the Grand Prismatic, again, like Old Faithful, is one of Yellowstone's most famous and iconic sites to see for the thermal activities that go on at the park. And again, it's just a giant thermal pool, like so giant that when you're up on it, it's so hard to see because of how big it is. And how much steam is coming off And how off much of steam it. is coming off, right. And if you do your research and actually Google Grand Prismatic, you can see what we're talking about. It's absolutely amazing. And so when we went to the trail to see the Grand Prismatic, we were expecting to see those views that we saw from the photos when we Google it. But again, like Kim said, so much steam is coming off of it. It's so large that the actual trail to see the Prismatic leaves a lot to be desired. But there was another trail that's supposed to give you an overlook. And we thought we can access it from the main trail of the Grand Prismatic, which is not the case. So the first day of seeing it left a little bit to be desired. Yeah, so the first day that we saw the Grand Prismatic Spring, we actually took the Midway Geyser Basin Boardwalk. And it goes by the Grand Prismatic, but along the way, you also go by other geysers or thermal pools that are also really cool to see. But when you do get face-to-face to to the Grand Prismatic, like Kim said, there's just so much steam. And depending on the way that the wind blows, it was blowing that day towards us. So it was just kind of like misting us and giving us uh, almost like a facial because it was just so warm. Mm Mm-hmm. But you can't see across the entire Grand Prismatic from that area. So we had plans for the next day to go to the Overlook instead. Yeah, and just real quick about the Grand Prismatic and the main trail that's right there. I truly thought that the Excelsior Geyser, which is right below, is the highlight to see of the main Midway Geyser Basin boardwalk that takes you to the Grand Prismatic. I thought the Excelsior Geyser was a lot more beautiful and exciting to see versus the Grand Prismatic. So the next day is when we did that scenic hike view to get the overlook of the Grand Prismatic. But before we did that, we had driven early in the morning from Grand Tetons. Again, Yellowstone is so large, it took a lot of time. What did we do for our lodging? So we decided to stay in West Yellowstone, which is actually in Montana. And we wanted to stay there because we wanted to hit another state off of our bucket list. And it's actually one of the closest entrances to like the main attractions in the park. However, we weren't sure if Montana was going to reopen. So we found out just a few days before our trip that Montana was lifting their travel restrictions and opening their gates into Yellowstone National Park on the day that we arrived, which was fantastic. Yeah, because up until that day that they were lifting their restrictions, The only entrance into Yellowstone that was open was the one from Wyoming coming from Grand Teton. The entrances that they have, which they have at least three that come in from Montana, all those were closed. So it worked out to be perfect in terms of our timing to stay in West Yellowstone. And we really enjoyed that aspect because if we had to drive all the way back to Jackson and back into Yellowstone, that would have been like two hours of driving one way each day just to get into the park versus 30 minutes staying in West Yellowstone. And the hotel that we stayed in, in West Yellowstone, was Brandon Iron Inn. It did the job. It wasn't fancy, but the thing about West Yellowstone in this this area, if you're going to access the park from it, there aren't very fancy hotels. It's a really small town. They have just a couple of restaurants. So that's what you can expect there. It's also a little bit more expensive, typically, than what you might hope to pay for. You know, I was expecting it to look a lot like Jackson or have that type of feel, really done up and touristy. And I 
I think just because West Yellowstone knows that it's really one of the most convenient ways to enter into the park, they don't really put in a lot of upkeep to the area. So again, it's not bad. It's not like it's run down, but coming from Jackson, it left a lot to be desired. And I really wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. I would agree. So we spent our first night in Montana and Tuesday morning, we woke up and what did we do first thing in the morning, Kim? We hiked. Yes, we did. So we wanted to go do this overlook so that we can get an aerial view of the Grand Prismatic. But along the same trail, you can extend it another 1.2, one and a half miles, I think, to Fairytale Falls. Highly recommend. Cute waterfall. There's this nice log in front of it. You can sit and just enjoy the views. Really, really pretty. And a fairly easy hike if you don't get lost. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't get lost. And you missed uh, getting lost on this trail here. Did you guys not have the RunKeeper app? So. No, I I asked. No one ended up using it, but that's okay. So again, the Fairy Falls Trailhead is where you want to go to get to Fairy Falls. But this is also the origination point if you want that overlook of the Grand Prismatic, which we definitely did. And we were going to go here nonetheless to get that overview. But I think the night before, Kim did a little bit of research and found, oh, there's a waterfall at the end of this. Let's do it. So that was an added bonus, if you will. But before we get into how we got lost, why don't you ladies tell us a little bit about the overview? So the trail is primarily flat up until you get to where the platform is going to be. And then you hike up, I would say probably like, mm, what'd you say? A hundred feet up? Yeah. It might be a little, it might be a little bit more than that, but it's not steep. For the most part, it's flat before you get to that very minimal hike up for the overview. But all in all, if you're just going to the overview, it's 1.2 miles. So a little bit more than half a mile in, half a mile out. So not too bad at all. But from this position, you get to see an aerial view of the Grand Prismatic Park and see just how massive and how colorful it is and just get that great perspective. And I think that it was worth doing that because if I had just seen the Grand Prismatic from the original boardwalk we saw the day before, it would have left a lot to be desired. So I'm really glad that we went and hiked up to the overlook. And not only that, this is where we saw those douchers go off of the trail, (laughs) that flat part, and they actually walked up to the Grand Prismatic and were starting to take photos putting their hands up i'm like what dicks man like why are you going off the trail they even have the signs they say that your footprints ruin the bacteria and ecology that goes on in there so again if you're gonna go to the national parks truly respect them don't be like those people who went off the trail that's all i have to say hashtag stay on the trail stay on the trail Yeah, so Fairy Falls is marked. However, we were just kind of in our own heads and we missed the marking to where to turn. So we went past by like an extra mile and then had to turn back around. Well, so it's actually quite deceiving because you go to that overlook and then you could either go back down the way you came or they have a way to go the opposite direction towards it back down the hill and continue on. And when you continue on, you meet that flat trail that you started on from the parking lot and it just continues straight and you think that should be the way that you go but they do have a very small sign that points fairy falls this way yet interestingly enough they have a whole bunch of rocks that block it as if that's not the way you're supposed to go so none of us really paid attention to think oh we should go this way because we saw the rocks like it was blocked and thought we continued straight so we continued that extra mile in that direction before we realized hey should we have hit there by now and we pulled up our gps and we realized that we were wrong and had to turn back around so an easy 
easy, extra two miles yeah. in. It was an easy day. It was a real easy day on this one. Easy day. <laughs> did you guys eat breakfast before this hike? Yeah, we did. We had uh, a to-go breakfast in a bag from this hotel, just like the other ones in Grand Teton. There you go. At least you had food. That's correct. <laughs> so we turned back around. We got to that spot where we thought it was the block off. And then we went on the legit trail for the Ferry Falls. And once you get in that area, I actually really like the trail a lot. It goes from a vast openness into really the forest. So then again, I was slightly concerned about bears because I'm like, oh shit, I'm in the thick of stuff, mm -hmm. like quite literally. <laughs> but it was a really cool trail because you're just straight line in the forest, really cool. And then you have that climactic waterfall at the end to see. There were tons of fall fallen down trees. So it just had like a cool vibe. I don't know. Unexplained of why they fell, but tons of fallen trees. So Jamal, speaking of bears and kind of being bear aware, why don't you tell everyone of what happened at this trailhead two days prior to us going? Bear aware. <laughs> they have all the signs in the park say, be bear aware. So Brittany's <laughs> channeling her inner national park signs over here, being bear aware. Well, speaking of that, I'm telling you, man, our phones are crazy. At least my sound Samsung Galaxy is, it either knows my GPS location, which all phones do, but it gives me news stories and articles related to obviously things that I search or location, etc. And as soon as we got home from Yellowstone and Grand Teton, I went to my notifications that they pop up for me. And then I see something that says three days ago at Yellowstone National Park. And it's a video that somebody filmed of a grizzly bear right in the parking lot where we were parked for the Fairy Falls trailhead to get to the prismatic overview as well as to Berry Falls. And that grizzly bear is attacking a bison. And I'm like, Brittany, look at this. Watch this video. And it's crazy. This grizzly bear is attacking a bison. It's pulling him across a bridge that we had to cross the creek at. There was a fallen tree that we all went to the restroom behind before we went on our hike because they had no porta potties there. I'm just like, this thing's attacking the bison. Like we were just there. And the whole time we were talking about, obviously we know there's bears in the area. How close do we really think they get to these like main points and these areas because there's a lot of people. And lo and behold, the date on that was two days before we were there. And we had no clue that just a couple days before a grizzly bear attacked a bison in that area so bear spray is essential crazy absolutely so after we hiked at fairy falls we went back to the car and we packed up to go to mammoth hot springs and like i said earlier the park is huge so i would say the grand prismatic is probably kind of in the middle of the park i would say and mammoth is at the north end and just from that from the grand prismatic fairy falls trailhead to mammoth hot springs it took us about an hour and a half in the car to get there so kim and charlotte are in the, in the back seat sleeping away <laughs> while jamal and Typical. i are, are driving to our next stop. But Kim, why don't you tell us about Mammoth Hot Springs and why we were so excited to go there? Well, we love hot springs and you showed me a picture of it and it's just like really, really cool. It's it's um, almost like a mountain kind of a structure. And at the top, there's obviously boiling water that's coming down. But as it comes down, it forms these pools of water. So it'll be mountains and then a pool, flat top pool of water. And like tiered levels going tiered down. Tiered levels all the way down. They're blue, they're white. There's some other colorful orange ones. And it's just really, really pretty. Like it's really hard to describe. But if you Google Mammoth Hot Springs in Yellowstone, you'll see some of the most amazing pictures 
it doesn't even look real. It doesn't look real. And like when the water's really going, it kind of cascades down through all of those pools that we were talking about. So it was definitely a sight to see. And there again, it's a paved area, paved trail. So easily accessible as well. And there's a parking spot at the top of it. There's a parking spot at the bottom of it. And you can access the trail from either direction. But just to give you a little bit of context of the geological activity that's still going on, there's several areas of the hot springs where they have like three main active ones that are still going but on the initial ascend up from the bottom parking lot where we parked you know you see this big barren spot you could see the tiered levels but it's all white as if it's dead there's no water flowing no nothing and then they have the sign saying and i don't remember what year it was but i think maybe at least 15 16 years ago is when it stopped flowing and they said it's because it's clogged and then it can open up at any time and start flowing again so i mean these things are still real active and you know from year to year the landscape changes because of how much activity still going on. So after we went to Mammoth Hot Springs, we continued up a little bit north and we wanted to go see Roosevelt Arch, which is the brick arch that leads into Yellowstone National Park from the Montana side. Yeah, this was a pet project of mine that I really wanted to do. If you Google Yellowstone National Park entrance, I guarantee you this is probably going to be the top thing that comes up for you. It's a very famous iconic arch that commemorates the fact that Yellowstone was the first national park. And again, Yellowstone is in Idaho, Montana, most of it in Wyoming, but one of the entrances in Montana has that arch. And I just wanted to go to it to see it. And it wasn't too far from Mammoth Hot Springs. It was about a 10, 15 minute drive north. And so Mammoth Hot Springs is still in Wyoming, just barely on the border. And as you go out now, all of a sudden you're in Montana. So that arch is on the Montana entrance side. So again, little side thing that I wanted to see. But from there, we went on to Lamar Valley. And Lamar Valley is known for the wildlife, specifically all of the bison in the area. So if you haven't seen bison up until this point, pretty much guaranteed to see bison in the area. We saw so many bison herds with their little bison babies and the babies (laughs) look so cute. And I think Kim's favorite part is when they're lying out on the grass, they're just like sprawled out, like almost looking like cows or... Mm -hmm. They're so cute. Yeah, they were so cute. And this is where you're going to want to use binoculars too. The Lamar Valley is a big, vast valley. So there'll be herds of bison out in the distance where you can see them, but you can't see them well. So the binoculars are great for that, as well as peering into the sides of the mountains to look for bears. Yeah, because Lamar Valley is iconic for the wildlife. You're going to see, obviously, bison. There's no doubt if you drive through there, you're going to see bison. But again, it's just so vast that where you're at on the road, they're out far in the distance. But this is where we saw tons of people with their binoculars, with their little mini telescopes. And at one point, we ended up stopping because we saw so many people were like, oh, is there a bear out here? Because this area is very famous for bears coming out, especially mamas with their cubs. And so we stopped at a spot where there were tons of people looking. And we asked them, are we looking looking at bears or what are we looking at and what did they say Brittany? They said that they could see bears. Uh, They saw a mama bear in the snow on the side of the mountain with her two cubs nursing and a lady pulled it up on her camera to show us 
us the shots that she was able to get and the video she was able to get of them. So we didn't have our binoculars, but they were able to see them with, with theirs. And so again, we highly recommend bringing binoculars with you. Yeah, because I really wish we had them. I would have sat there a lot longer with binoculars, just kind of looking up in the mountains, seeing what I could see. If you don't have those and if you're not getting lucky, truly the Mar Valley is just an area for you to drive through to see one, the dynamic landscape, see the bison. But unless you have those binoculars, you're really not going to have much luck finding the big game that you want to see, such as like bears, whether they be grizzly bears, black bears, etc. So from there, from Lamar Valley, we just went back to West Yellowstone. Like I said, the park's really big. So the drive from Lamar Valley back to West Yellowstone was about an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah. And then obviously we worked ourselves up an appetite being in the park all day. And if you remember from our last episode, we were talking about having barbecue in Jackson while well, we had ourselves a little barbecue fixing after that because it was so good. So we found a barbecue joint in West Yellowstone called the Firehole, and we ate Firehole Barbecue. And guess what? Apparently, Guy Fieri's been there because there's a photo of him up on the wall as if he did an episode there. I don't know if he did a Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dive episode or what, but mm-hmm. he's definitely been to Firehole Barbecue. <laughs> So in the area, I guess huckleberries are very famous to that area. So we saw lots of different things. Kim got some huckleberry vodka. We had huckleberry margaritas. (laughs) And at one of the restaurants, they were advertising huckleberry cheesecake. The restaurant was called Bullwinkles. So we went there to pick up a cheesecake and we each split amongst the four of us. And it definitely hit the spot. It's perfect. And we didn't mention this, but we did have dinner at Bullwinkles the night before. And it's actually really good food. I'd recommend that restaurant as well as the Firehole Barbecue restaurant restaurant in West Yellowstone. I definitely did like Bullwinkles. That's where you guys had the huckleberry margaritas. I got myself a normal beer. They have really good like American comfort food. Kim and I got country fried steak. Yeah. Brittany got like an elk ravioli, oh, was which so was good. really elk good. Elk ravioli. Mm-hmm. That's and what they got up there. Sauce. Zana. It was so good. It was bomb. They actually. eat a lot of bison. Yeah. One of the other places too, not here in West Yellowstone, but I got a bison burger too. So they definitely eat a lot of their local game meat up there. That's for sure and it's pretty good Mm -hmm. so wednesday was our last day in yellowstone national park and we wanted to go to see the grand canyon of yellowstone so kim why don't you tell us about the grand canyon of yellowstone i showed someone a picture that i took of it and he said it looks like a vagina um It's a, it's a, it's exactly what you said. It, it is a canyon. It is grand. There's a beautiful waterfall on one side of it, and then the creek kind of runs through the bottom of it. Really pretty red colors on some sides of it, and then there's other colors on the other side of it. There's tons of lookout points that we hit many of, and there's hikes that you can do around the north and south rims. Well, that waterfall that you're talking about is from the Yellowstone River, which is the large one that flows through. So at one point, you do have that waterfall and then it's just a beautiful river forming that canyon and it's really barren with those red colors and so that's why it gets the name the grand canyon of yellowstone because it is so wide is it as grand as the grand canyon absolutely not but it's still grand and majestic nonetheless we wanted to go do specifically a hike called the uncle tom's trail which is 300 steps down that brings you to the lower end of the falls for an overlook. And it was listed as open and it's supposed to be a real scenic shot because it takes you from the top of the falls to the bottom and you can see it from a lower level. However, the trail was closed because there was still snow. So again, another example of where sometimes the websites, when they say something's open or closed, 
not always true. So you do have to check it out. But that was a real buzzkill. I wanted to do that. Yeah, so did I. But we were able to go see so many different viewpoints. We were able to go to artist points, which was one of my favorite viewpoints of the park to see the waterfall and to see the canyon. There was other points called like lookout points, grand point, inspiration point. And there was just so much to see. It's like when we went to Machu Picchu, where you get the same view from a different angle. (laughs) But we had to see them all, and we didn't want to miss out on one. I will say this. Seeing the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone and just seeing the big waterfall from the Yellowstone River, my favorite point of the ones that we went to was Artist's Point. I liked it a lot. It's not as close as the Uncle Tom's Trail with the steps would have been. It's a little bit further away but it definitely gives you a better perspective of it because Mm -hmm. you're a little bit further back. You can see how wide the canyon is. You can see the full falls at that point. And I really, really did enjoy that. So if you're going to go, definitely check out Artist's Point. I think it's one of the best spots to see the falls. The last stop that we made in Yellowstone was to Hayden Valley. We just drove through. Again, it's an area that's known for its wildlife, whether that be the grizzly bears or the bison. We actually were able to go by a crowded area. We were asking people what they were seeing because, again, we didn't have binoculars, but we could see animals in the distance. And they were saying that they saw some wolves go through the area, which was really cool. Wolves. Wolves, yeah. An interesting thing about the wolves, I mean, I wish we could have seen them a little bit close, but that's what they were watching. And the wolves in Yellowstone area have been extinct for a while, but in the early 1990s, they've reintroduced wolves into the area. And you can do some research on it and find out. They're talking about how it's completely changed the ecosystem and food chain in Yellowstone since they've reintroduced them. So it's just a really cool story to know that. And they've even expanded as far down now as Grand Teton. So they're regaining some of their former territory. But I would have loved to see some of the wolves up close. I think that would have been really cool. But speaking of wolves, we forgot to mention this. On some of the trails, we did end up seeing foxes, not as exciting as wolves, but seeing foxes nonetheless. So again, you're definitely always going to come across wildlife in Yellowstone and Grand Teton. And I think beyond the geological formations, that was one of the highlights for me. Like I said before in the previous episode, when we're talking about Grand Teton. This is like America's version of safaris out there. And it's really awesome to see. Yeah, and one thing we haven't really mentioned, but I do want to mention now is give the wildlife their space. The wildlife, a lot of them look really cute and you want to get close, but like respect their space. These are wild creatures. Don't get close to bears, bison, moose, or any other animal just because we're in their territory. We are on their land and we just want to be respectful of their space and we don't want them to injure us. Yeah. And speaking of that, you can Google anything that you want and come across YouTube videos of people being stupid and going up to bison in Yellowstone and getting attacked or charged by them because they've gotten too close to their space. As a matter of fact, Yellowstone opened late May, again, about a week and a half, two weeks before we went. And the second day it was open, there was news reports that somebody got too close to a bison and a bison injured a lady. So it definitely does happen. So do be mindful when you're there of the wildlife don't get in their space you're in their space they're going to protect themselves and just don't be stupid Mm -hmm. any final thoughts my last final thought is totally recommend everyone see yellowstone it's so pretty it's so unique i can't wait to go again and do some of the things that we couldn't do this time and just 10 out of 10 would recommend 
Next time I go back, though, I'm bringing binoculars because, again, we saw a lot of the sites. We saw the geysers. We saw Old Faithful. We saw the thermal pools. I want to spend more time being in Lamar, Hayden Valley, and actually being able to just keep an eye out for the wildlife. So do have those binoculars. And if you don't bring them, rent them somewhere for sure. Yeah, I agree. All right, everyone. Well, that's all we have for you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this week's episode. Please keep the adventures going with us by following us on Instagram and subscribing on YouTube at Travel Squad Podcast. And why don't you go ahead and tag us in your adventures so we can see where you're going and send us in those questions of the week too. If you found the information in this episode to be useful or if you thought we were just plain funny, please make sure to share it with a friend that would enjoy it too. As always, please subscribe, rate and review our podcasts and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. Stay tuned for next week's episode. We have so many more amazing adventures and tips in store for you. Woo. Bye guys. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.